Hi, this is Roy's Rocket Radio, episode 155, recorded on Tuesday, the 18th of October, 2016, and the time at the beginning of the show is, or rather was, one minute to midnight, and I'm saying it was because I recorded the whole intro to this podcast, then realised that I'd left the television on, and you could hear it in the background, so I had to record the whole thing again, but anyway... On with the show. And today we're doing something a little different because as part of a full-service nerd podcast, maybe it's about time we dedicate a whole show just to technology. So that's what we're doing today. I've got to admit, though, I have another reason for doing this. I kind of feel a bit guilty because earlier today... And for the first time in weeks, I missed my evening writing session. And the reason for that is I just overslept. I slept right through my writing session. And I feel terribly guilty about that. So I thought I'd do something to make up for that with maybe an extra podcast. But I assure you the writing will continue tomorrow. And I'll have an update about that for you soon. So let's get on with things. And let's start with the tragic story of the Samsung Note 8. Now if you've been following this saga, it really has been quite something. Quite a terrible something. Samsung's flagship phone, the Note 7 started producing battery problems, rather dramatic ones. They would, in fact, catch fire. And when this first came to light, and sorry if I'm laughing, it's not really a laughing matter, but just imagine batteries exploding. Anyway, when this first came to light, Samsung did hold their hands up and first offered an exchange because they believed the problem to be limited to a certain batch of phones. Unfortunately, that proved not to be the case, and the problems continued with burning phones. I think to the extent of some of the airlines advising passengers not to fly with these phones. Airlines or airport authorities? I can't remember. Something like that, anyway. The point is, it was all fairly dramatic. Anyway, so the exchange didn't go well. Now they have just given up and said that they're ending that entire product line. And now if you have one of those phones, it will be recalled and you'll be compensated, presumably by another phone or financially. And this whole thing has been a terrible mess. But I do feel slightly sad about it. I mean, as much as one can feel sad about a vastly wealthy corporation. Because if you compare this to the VW fraud, and I think it's fair to say that, and the continued suspicious silence of other motor car manufacturers, 
using the same crooked emission software, at least Samsung came clean quite early on. The other thing to note is lithium-ion batteries that were used in the Samsung Note 7 and are common to probably all phones nowadays, or at least most of them. I don't think any phones using nickel metal hydride anymore, certainly not NICAD, is that these batteries are not the most stable of technologies. They get hot, and do you remember Airbus's fires on planes back in 2013? And how about on your own phone? Doesn't it get hot sometimes? I know my phone gets hot. So battery technology and lithium-ion in particular isn't particularly stable. So it's not really surprising that something like this hasn't happened before. Or rather, I'm assuming it probably has happened, but not to this dramatic extent and certainly not to flagship smartphone. Next, we have Yahoo, up to no good. In cahoots with the US government, apparently, allowing them to scan users' email. Their excuse was that they broke no laws, which isn't really much of an excuse at all. If you want to hear more about this story, I've put a link in the show notes to a video that's currently being shown at Reuters. So if you go into the show notes, you can have a look at that. More interesting to me is SpaceX. Now, about a week or so ago, I watched Elon Musk's impressive presentation about his plans for Mars colonization. Personally, I thought it was thin on tech specs, but visually it did look really impressive. There are a few things that I'm not sure have been taken into account, or at least haven't been revealed to the public, and there are things like just the sheer viability of a space colony, sorry, or rather a Mars colony. I mean, the viability of a colony is difficult and insanely hard work to get going. I just think that they're underestimating just how hard it will be to get that colony started. And the other thing is, it seems or at least initially it seems, aimed at taking the rich to Mars. I can't remember offhand how much one of these tickets to Mars costs, but I'm guessing from what I remember that they're in the regions of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. And it also does beg the question that if this is aimed at the rich, I'm not sure if I can believe that a lot of older rich people have what it takes to, or certainly have the inclination to work their guts out and very possibly die 
in accidents or ill health brought on by a huge variety of different things from radiation to particulate inhalation to starvation and I point out those things in particular because at the moment there isn't any decent practical ways of shielding colonists and even space travelers from radiation from solar flares and particulate inhalation well the Martian dust is very fine and it gets everywhere so I'm assuming that there'll also be mechanical problems but also physiological problems like asthma and allergies or even worse lung damage and starvation because we're so far from Earth if something does go wrong with food supplies then you're gonna starve and are old rich people really adapted for this kind of environment or would they even want to go and the other thing on that subject is Elon isn't going himself so that should tell you something but despite all that all that I've said before I do think that we do need to get out there because ultimately it will mean the survival of the human species if anything happens to earth and this is also something that Musk has commented upon although science fiction writers have been talking about this since science fiction existed as a genre and just before we end this section we've been talking about Elon Musk's SpaceX project which is a private endeavor but we should also remember that organizations like NASA are also planning to get a person to Mars but their goals seem rather long-term they're saying by the 2030s by that decade so that could be anything from the beginning of the decade to the end of the decade doesn't seem very well tied down but it does seem that that's what they're planning to do although who knows there could be a different administration in charge by then because NASA is a government body so ultimately it will be up to the president of the time to say whether or not that's still going ahead but that's the US as for the ESA well we do have some news regarding the European Space Agency's current missions and one of them does include Mars because the ESA's ExoMars Trace Gas Orbiter, just trips off the tongue that does, plans to land the Schiaparelli probe on Mars tomorrow at 15.48. So that's 3.48 in the afternoon. UK time, that's GMT plus one. British summertime. 
the lander is partly a test for larger future landers, but while it's there, it will collect meteorological data. The orbiter that brought it there will take another year to attain a stable orbit by 2018. And then in 2018, when it pops into orbit around Mars, it will be deployed to search for traces of methane, which is associated with the possibility of life on Mars. And that should be a segue for me to break into a cover rendition of David Bowie's Life on Mars. But judging from my terrible singing, I'm not going to do that. I'll spare you the agony. Next, virtual reality. Or rather, in this case, augmented reality. In the form of Microsoft HoloLens. Well, it has finally come out although at the moment it's aimed only at devs and at commercial enterprises, and by devs, of course, I mean developers, although I'm guessing rich developers and fairly well-off commercial enterprises, because this thing costs thousands. It is ridiculously expensive. And although it does look good, as far as the wide adoption of VR and AR goes, this is definitely a dead end. Because no one can afford it. Although, to give Microsoft their due, they do say that it's really not aimed at end users like me and you. Okay. Google Daydream View. Now, this is a much cheaper, better and nicer set of new VR goggles. They're made of a soft fabric and it definitely looks aimed at widespread adoption of VR. It is, as far as I can see, a boosted up, modded up, cranked up version of Google Cardboard. But here's the problem. Even Google Cardboard required a decent smartphone, which I don't have. And my phone did cost £100, so it's not the cheapest phone. And yet it still didn't have enough technology inside it to run either cardboard or the Daydream View goggles. Which brings me on to my own VR idea. Now I think the Daydream View is the way to go with a few added modifications. I think there should be a cut-down phone-like device, maybe just the guts of a phone, 
built into a DreamView-ish like device. But instead of things like 4G and LTE and 3G and NFC, it won't need all those because the device will have a screen built in. All it will really need is Wi-Fi connectivity. So you can connect to things like the app stores, uh, presuming this will be an Android-type device, because it's just that there are so many more of those devices in use. Android smartphones, I mean. It will also have a good screen, although by now a good screen is an average screen, so a 1080p screen, well, lots of smartphones have screens of that resolution now. And many are already up to 2 and 4K, so I don't think that's a huge demand. And I think it should have decent built-in headphones, because, again, as far as I can see, none of these sets do. And finally, a price. I believe the DreamView goggles cost around 70 or 80 dollars, something like that. So around 50 pounds, though you know what the translation from dollars to pounds is like over here. All they do is they don't reduce the price at all, they just change the currency sign. So if it's $70 in the US, it's going to be £70 here. Now, why is that, UK retailers? Why is that? But anyway, I think with this added technology, they should cost my theoretical new VR iPhones should cost around £99. And in dollars, that would currently be, because I checked on XC.com, $122. So slightly less than double the price of the Daydream View goggles. What do you think to that? Do you think that's a reasonable price and set of specs for something that could really set fire to the whole VR thing, finally, after years? Could it be what we need? I don't know. Just a wild guess. Just my daydreams. <laughs> okay, and that is it for the show today. I'm not sure what will be on the next show. I don't like to promise, but I'm guessing it will be any combination of entertainment, my writing, maybe Doctor Who, maybe some more technology. We'll just have to see. But thanks for keeping me company tonight. And that is it for episode 155 of Roy's Rocket Radio. With the end of the recording... Going into the next day, recorded on Wednesday, the 19th of October 2016. And the time at the end of the show is 32 minutes past midnight and 18 seconds. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Bye!